Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. Wade is here with me, Mike, and we are in the Luther, Life of Luther, Winging It series. Probably in the 40s or something like that. I don't know I what episode we are. I think we're well into the 40s are. at this point. I'll, I'll look. We have made it to 1530. This is actually a significant one. We have made it into the 30s. 1530, if you are a person who is, you know, let's say even cursely um, uh, aware of Lutheran history, 1530 is going to be a big year because that is when the Augsburg Confession is going to be presented to Charles V in the imperial city of Augsburg. And that's what we're here to talk about, the historical lead-up to the imperial diet of Augsburg, where the most important thing, at least historically from our point of view, is going to be the um, presentation of the Augsburg Confession and the Apology, which is amazing when you think about it, how quickly Melanchthon was able to write that. And uh, we'll probably have an episode as well, just actually on the theology of the Augsburg Confession. So we'll try to steer clear of that and stay uh, just with the history. Um, We're we're at 45, by the way. This will be session 45. Excellent. Um, I believe it was April 8th, 1530, that it was called that there was going to be um, this imperial diet. If you have remembered uh, our episodes or our sessions on Charles V, and just the kind of the interesting thing about being an emperor, not really an emperor, but you're called an emperor, you are going to be crowned by the, the Pope, but there's also, you're going to be crowned this, that, and the other thing, and it depends where you're crowned and how you're crowned and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Charles V, or Charles I, he is Charles the, um, the V of the empire, Charles the V of Spain, um, is already in control. I mean, his first probably major interaction with Lutheran and the Protestant Reformation is going to be already in 1521, but it's not until later that he is going to be crowned. And I, the reason I bring that up is that these two parties, the, the, the emperor, think the Roman Catholic side, and the Lutheran side or the evangelical Protestant side are going to be traveling slowly to Augsburg. They're coming together for this and they're tracking each other. At least the Lutherans are tracking Charles. Um, and they're going to try to meet them, meet there at the same time. Charles um, had sacked Rome. Um, you can listen to previous sessions on why he did that. And so he is not going to be crowned by the Pope in Rome. He's going to be in Bologna, um, but he kind of burns some bridges there. And eventually he slowly, he's got other stuff going on, slowly he is going to make it back into the German states. He hasn't been there a while. He's sort of ignored that. Archduke Ferdinand, his brother, has been sort of taking care of this when it came to um, um, the uh, the diets at Spire. There's two diets at Spire that we had talked about where uh, there was some serious um, talk about what do you do with the Protestant princes? Are they allowed to uh, are they allowed in their territory to have Lutherans or Protestants? Um, do they have to um, they have to enforce the Edict of Worms, which is uh, technically that Luther and anybody that harbored him and followed him was an outlaw, all those kinds of things. So this is a big deal because now it's Charles V. It's not just Archduke Ferdinand. And he's slowly making his way through the Italian states and now going to the German states. And they're going to reach uh, Augsburg, which is kind of a fitting town when you think about it, South German town. One third, I think, of the, uh, of the imperial diets... Uh 
in either the 16th century or, or, fi or 15th and 16th century took place in Augsburg. So Augsburg is named after Augustus. It's a legit Roman town, right? It has I'm trying roots. to think of like uh, somewhere that hosts the Super Bowl a lot. It's kind of like yeah, that. Like, like New Orleans or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, it, like it, right? it got it more than the other teams. Right. So uh, the Augs uh, Augsburg is an ancient town. Uh, a le legit Roman colony. I think Strasbourg was one too. And I, I, I mentioned this, but I probably didn't check it out. Is it a free city? Is that correct? Or is it an imperial city? It's an imperial city. Um, That's so, different than Nuremberg, which was a free city, but kind of depended on the... You're catching me now because I, I, was, sure. I was reading up on this yeah. earlier, and then I thought... <clears throat> I should go make sure I don't say something wrong on that. And then I was going to steer away from it, and, you, and we went there. So um, it's an imperial city, which it, it, um, I, I've always thought of Augsburg as an imperial free city. But um, <clears throat> let me Google while you talk. Yeah. You're on a roll. So Nuremberg, and the reason why that is important is when we're going to talk, I'm trying to set this up that you have two parties going to go to Augsburg, but Luther's not going to make it all the way. He's going to stay in Coburg. Um, and there was thoughts that maybe he would go to Nuremberg, which was a Lutheran city, but because it was a free city and maybe even an imperial free city, I'm not sure there's a distinction or not. I don't think there is. So looking at, um, looking at a, uh, a free city of a Freie Reichstadt in German or Urbs Imperialis Libera, which mm -hmm. imperial free city, that would yep. be the Latin. Latin. Um, so that would be what would denote a self-ruling city. And I, I do see at least some places Augsburg um, included in that together with Cologne, Strasbourg, Basel. And so Nuremberg is not, they're not probably too keen on hosting Luther, even though that would make him very close to Augsburg during this imperial diet, which remember... Because you had a lot to lose. As a, if you were a free city, um, you didn't want to lose your sovereignty. You had right. worked hard to get that. And, and what backs up your sovereignty but the em emperor. Right. You don't want to tick off the emperor, right? Because he could theoretically um, not, he could, if you called 911, he may not come. Right. That kind of thing. So um, um, th this is kind of just the, the, the politics of the, uh, of, of the Reich, the, this first Reich is, it kind of plays a little bit of a part uh, when we get into Augsburg. So. Luther and his group, they are on their way through uh, uh, Saxony. Coburg is sort of on the border of Saxony, and would it be then Bavaria down there? I can't remember if Coburg, it's Coburg's one of those cities that now is, I believe, in, in Bavaria or whatever state, but at this time it was under... I want to say it would be in Franconia. Franconia. Too, but... it, it's... I'll Google it myself. Sorry, I'm bringing up all these other things. Either way, at this time... Located in, um, in the upper Franconia region of Bavaria. Okay, so we're both right. But it there could have been, I think at that time, I think it was the lower part of Saxony. So. Right. So at, for sure at this point, he is. it's part of electoral Saxony, which is significant because then he is under the protection of John Frederick at this time. So he could have gone further into Nuremberg, which is a Lutheran city. But remember, I mean, the, the, the Edict of Worms, Worms is still technically uh, in place, and he could have been arrested and even maybe even killed. So he's going to stay in the castle of Coburg, where he gets a little cranky. Would that be a fair... Would that be a fair description of Luther at this time? I think so, yeah. He's away from the action. During this period, his father passes away. Um, he does try to keep busy, um, but he, not being in the action, 
um, is very difficult, even for us when we have our cell phones and Zoom meetings and stuff like that. Can you imagine being at least a day or two behind? There would have been letters. There would have been letters that would have gone just about daily, it seems. And uh, I didn't quite catch if, you know, if Luther writes a letter, does it get there in one day? I'm not sure how long a horse ride yeah. would have been there, but he's at it's least for the time. He's a day or two behind the action, right? So if if Melanchthon writes daily to him and says this is what happened by the time Luther gets it and responds, you are probably 48 hours away from what had happened. So um, frustrating for him to say the least. Yeah. So I looked up. I'm on the Coburg site, Coburg.de. So I took that to be pretty reliable, mm -hmm. and it says at this time. The Coburg region was known as the Sächsische, Saxon, Ortlander zu Franken, um, meaning uh, it was right Saxon in its um, orientation, that it belonged um, culturally. It says I, I, I don't. Um, so I'll take it that way to the uh, the Vettin territory, which that would be um, the Saxon rulers. That's mm -hmm. their line, is Vettin or, or Wettin, and. Uh, it was therefore the most southerly region of the former electorate of Saxony. So you I, were indeed right, Michael. Yeah, I think I remember something like in the 1920s, that's when it was no longer in, then it was technically under the jurisdiction yeah. of Bavaria. It's one of the yeah. few Lutheran sites that I think I've not been to. Oh, the Coburg Castle. Although part of me maybe thinks I went there because isn't there a special type of Coburg sausage? I, I don't, I was never in Coburg, so okay. I don't know. And Augsburg is interesting town. I really like the church there with the onion domes, and then the the Lutheran church that just is like built off the wall of the yeah. of the Roman Catholic church. Is Augsburg it Saint is a cool Ulrich, town. Ulrich or something like that. I think the Catholic church is the like Augsburger Saint Dome is the main church there. So kind of it's an interesting town. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say a sleepy town, but when we were in Augsburg, there was a um, the hotel we stayed in. The door locked from the outside, so you had to have a key on the inside. <laughs> and um, a friend of our show, we'll call him Tyler. Mm -hmm. I'll leave it up to you if you say the last name. Okay. His wife, yes. let's say her name's Jill, uh -huh. um, was not feeling well, so the rest of us all went to go find a pharmacy to get a little medicine. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was a hotel that had, like, shared bathrooms in the hallway. Mm -hmm. And uh turns out there's, like, only one pharmacy in town that's open 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So we were walking quite some time, mm -hmm. and I guess... Uh, We'll call her Jill, was screaming out the, the window for Tyler because she didn't have the key to get uh, out of the room, so she was trapped in there, not feeling well. It, no mess when we came back. That's good. It was a trooper, but yeah. um, that's one of my, my Augsburg memories. Sure. And then also, um, we should mention the Augsburg Confession, also called the Augustana, uh -huh. my fourth child. Right. It was named Augustana. Right. So. And... and that was that was a, a a Lutheran virtue signal when we named her. Yep, absolutely. Um, I I could totally see that. I'm thinking of changing Ziggy's name to Concordia. <laughs> um, well, would, if you could rename your children to virtue signal right now, what would they? What would you name? Virtue them? signal Lutheranism. Or any virtue signal right now to say that you're righteous. Well, if it's like a cultural. Well, whatever. No, I mean, okay. Whatever you feel, you could be Lutheran. I almost said something that would upset people. Well, Let's stay away from this one because my, my I, mind is going right That's to, why I asked you the question. Yeah. That's why I asked you the question. I think it's unsafe for me to answer. Okay. All right. Are you, how old do your children have to be before they have, you give up your legal right to rename them? 
I never thought about that. Like I know your problem. I'm sure it's 18. You can name your, you can change your name. I'm assuming that's the case. Yeah. But I would guess maybe after 16, you can't rename them, but they may, they may be only, maybe they have to sign off even. I don't know. It's a good question, Michael. That's a question I, we should really get on because our children are getting older. Well, and the thing is that would be a great threat to a kid when they're being a right? brat to be right? like, look, I will rename you. I will, I'm going to go down to the courthouse. I already have the paperwork. Yep. I already have the pa- paperwork, Cletus. And I bet that would get them shaping up because you could come up with some, some good names. Okay. So we have, it has been a while since we've met John Eck again. Yeah. He's back in the scene, back in the saddle. Drek. And he has prepared 404 statements because, oh, my goodness. Um, and really implies in this original document to get the juices going on the Catholic side that pretty much all of the non-Roman Catholic Christians are the same. And they are a threat to the stability of the church and probably the stability of the empire. Right? So this riles up the Lutherans because they uh, have... And that's not easy to do. <laughs> they have gone way out of their way to say that we are not sectarian. We certainly aren't like um, um, Munzer or not even like the Zwinglians and maybe not even like the, the Strasburgers and the South Germans, right? Yeah. So, uh, and that's something that is interesting because we can have very, very proud Lutherans in America today. And, but by their actions, their preaching, their politics, their all sorts of things, you're like, I'm pretty sure that you're kind of just a Zwinglian, right? Mm-hmm. And so, which has been a, a, a a difficult thing to distinguish and was frustrating, let's just say, to people like you and me uh, through college and our early ministry, that when someone said Lutheran, what they actually meant was kind of a Billy Graham Christian. Right? Yeah. And historically, the Lutherans were very, very uh, pointed about saying we are not these kinds of Christians. And that may seem rude and or what's the big deal, but it's not, it wasn't just theological. I mean, if you are a rebel at this time, um, you were, you could be easily branded as this radical reformer, right? Right. Think about, um, a, you know, Thomas Munster and Munster and I always say it's Munster, Munster and others that, I mean, they're very cult-like in the way that they are going to organize their their church, their sect, even their town. Uh, and I mean, times haven't changed that much. Um, I mean, still today in politics or in theological debate, um, there's certain labels that right just get tossed on someone, and that really becomes a setback for them to have that label put on them. And so the the Lutherans are trying to be able to do everything they can do to, to fend off that charge of uh, innovation. Um, the confutation maybe we'll get to more in a little bit, but to be fair, I've always felt a little bit bad for Act because, you know, the Augsburg Confession is presented and then they come and they're like, we need a confutation. Mm-hmm. And he's writing on the fly. Mm-hmm. But what I find happens with sermons and papers and books is the less prepared I am, the longer they get. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, that kind of is going to happen with, uh, with Act. Can we talk a little bit? doctrine and practice sure because there's going to be one of the things that will come up as the lutherans make it into augsburg and as the emperors there's 
Um, what do you do for some of these things that in the past you would have participated in? A big one would be, for instance, the Corpus Christi yep. Festival. So even before we're meeting, there's meetings about the meetings and what we're going to do. Yeah. And uh, the celebration of Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and this becomes a... Um, an important thing for the Lutheran princes, and, and keep in mind too, in Augsburg, the Lutherans are primarily being represented by laymen. Um, even Melanchthon, who is a theologian, is a layman, is not a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so the question to wrestle with, well, what do we do? And uh, here we get to see um, how practice and doctrine interrelate. So they'll refuse, for instance, to participate um, in Eucharistic adoration and stuff like that. Um, which the emperor is not happy about because these ceremonies are more than just religious ceremonies. Uh, this is the Holy Roman Empire. These ceremonies are meant to be a reflection of what um, unites them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so he also, something that's come up in previous episodes, and I think you already mentioned, Mike, but he needs to be uniting them because they've got a Turkish problem to deal with. Uh, he kind of needs to rally everyone to the cause of and he's, he's fighting himself, back the Turks. He sees himself as a defender of the faith, mm-hmm. right? He's, I mean, we, we've we've mentioned this before that we think Charles V, for the most part, is kind of a stand-up guy, um, and uh, so these things are being hammered out previously. So, if if the the prime minister of wherever is going to come to a state dinner in the United States of America. I mean, every detail is planned ahead of time so that no cultural snafus are, so that nobody feels slighted, so that the ambassador from here is over here and it's order of importance, all this kind of stuff. This is the stuff we're talking about. This is a big deal. So it's Corpus Christi Festival, which is, if you don't know, would be um, a parading around of um, a the host, um, the, the bread, which would... Uh, Usually in a monstrance, which is... Um, this golden, meant to look like a sun often. Yeah. Think of a trophy that looks like a sun in the center is this is going to be this host, which is going to be then adored as the body of Christ. And so for Lutherans, they would say, this is not the intention of the sacrament, and so they would reject that adoration outside the giving of for the forgiveness of sins. So that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get it for the forgiveness of sins. We don't need to go down that road. But the Lutherans are... And remember, we're still one church here, technically. So the Lutherans refuse to do that so that uh, it gets played out that neither side is able to preach because I'm sure they were saying of, okay, you get matins, I get Compline, you know, all these different services. Uh, Nobody gets to preach. And then the Lutherans reluctantly, I think Charles V agrees for the Lutherans not to have to participate in the Corpus Christi festival. So then we get to the actual event. And you have something? Um, Go ahead. I was just going to hit on uh, that we mentioned with the forums, so hopefully here too, right? This is not the only thing on the agenda as they're gathering. Um, so just like Luther wasn't the only thing or even the main thing, um, this isn't the only thing on the agenda in Augsburg, although here the difference is um, this is a big thing on the agenda, okay. whereas Luther wasn't nearly as a big thing at Vorms. Um, while there's other stuff on the agenda, this is, um, everyone's expecting, uh, not a a fight necessarily, but they're expecting this to be tense. And let's just say that things are going to flow from out of this. You know, what what are we going to do with the small call dick league? What are we going to, how is this going to play? 
this is priority. This is going to be a priority that's going to affect other things. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. And you know, it's um, we've had first and second diet of Spire, um, and so they're also wrestling with what do we do with these previous settlements or um, really with the second diet, the kind of the revocation of stuff um, <clears throat> that has uh, taken place. Keep in mind here too that the uh, the estates are going to represent both church and state at this diet also. There will be papal representatives who are in Charles' ear um, about how to handle this. You will have um, German princes and and dukes and things of that sort. Uh, and then you will have um, theologians from the different towns that were that were coming. So this will be uh, quite an eclectic group too. And so whatever is going to be presented or debated needs to be able to reach those who are gathered there. And when we unpack the confession itself, I think that will be important. Um, the Augsburg Confession really knows its audience and knows it well, and it'll be read in German and Latin. <clears throat> I do think we should hit on a little bit, too, Mike. Um, the Augsburg Confession isn't Melanchthon's work, like, from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> this is something they knew was coming. And so you had, for instance, the Torgau articles and other things that led up to this. And so these were attempts at consensus building among the Lutherans that were already taking place. So it's not as if as they come, that this will be um, something created in a vacuum. But it will very much be a creation of Melanchthon as well. Um, But that these uh, princes and leaders, knowing that this would be important, have had the theologians at work for a while. Um, And so uh, maybe just early on, right, that the, the Lutherans knew what they were walking into in a way and I think that's something we we dare not forget. Um, it was it was an act of courage for them for them to do mm-hmm. so. Yeah. So um, you have a response to Eck. I think this is how easiest way to say it. Response to Eck, which is going to be um, what we're going to call the Augsburg Confession. So, and then you're going to have the Confutation, which will also be Eck. Correct. Right. I think so. Primarily Eck. Yeah. yeah. So you you are going to which is ha- the one where he gets like a couple days and he's kind yeah. Of- so June 23rd, um, the, what we now know is the Augsburg Confession is going to be signed by the laity. So uh, Nuremberg, I think, is going to sign as a city, but you're going to have, uh, you're going to have princes that are going to sign right. this, right? And then on the 25th, so uh, some of you may, may know this, that June 25th in the church, sometimes you'll have a, um, maybe even a prayer or a church service, um, June 25th is the day of the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. We may say this is sort of the official birth of the Lutheran Church, yeah. right? Or this is, you know, there's certain times when documents are played out that become historically important, and this would be June 25th. Um, the confutation is going to come back. I believe that that's in, in August, and that finally is going to be... Um, can't remember if that was the second draft or something like that. Uh, the first draft was considered too polemical at, no, at times. And no one's happy with, with it even when it's a finished product. No. Um, in the meantime, you do have like Jacob Strom, Capito, Bootser, who are going to not sign, 
right, I think, and are going to say, do we have another confession? These are the South German Strasbourg group that is sort of not quite Zwinglian, but not quite Wittenbergers. Uh, uh, and and they're kind of sort of kind of be sort of, should we wait, should we sign that kind of and thing? And this is part of Luther's concern that, you know, that he keeps encouraging Melanchthon to stand firm because they're, you know, you can almost, it would have been convenient for Melanchthon to write things in a way that some of those others could have signed on, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the bigger tent. And maybe Luther, you, there, there's a tension. I, I think one way to think about it is, yeah, there's some a tension between Luther and Melanchthon, but not so much theologically as in um, how they're... The tone it should take. Yeah, what are the tones and what are the hopes, right? I, Luther's a little bit more of... Let's just, here it is, let's move on. And we're going to demarcate the difference between our teaching and the teaching of Rome, whereas Melanchthon's more wanting to present, here is the teaching of the scriptures mm-hmm. in a way that hopefully could unify some people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, and of course, Melanchthon, not to get ahead of ourselves, is going to tinker with some of his stuff in, 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 in the Down future. Down the road, yeah. Um, what's really interesting to me, I find this fascinating, is that, the Lutherans were not, from what I've read, were not able to get a hard copy of the Confutation. No, they weren't. And um, so they're putting it together from, you know, they're copying it down as it was written, and then maybe from their memory, trying to piece it together, which just seems so, so odd to me. Um, do you have an explanation for that? But uh, students, this is why you learn to take good notes, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the traditional line is that the Roman party was kind of embarrassed by the confutation, and so they didn't want it out in circulation. Um, and so they'll, they'll, Melanchthon will largely be working from from memory um, and notes. The, uh, I mean, the fact of the, the matter is, is, uh, I mean, the authors of the confutation were asked to do a very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Augsburg Confession is just marvelously clear. Um, it is very ironic and cautious, cautious in tone. And it's carefully written so that many of its articles, especially at the beginning, clearly reaffirm the uh, alignment of Lutheranism with the ancient church, right, the, with, with the creeds. Um, and so it was written in a way that was very hard to, to attack. Um, and so, yeah, the Confutation is not a work that has that stood up well against the test of time if the test of time meant like five minutes after mm-hmm. it was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you have the Augsburg Confession, the Confutation, and then you're going to have the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, which is a longer explanation of the Augsburg right. in response to the Confutation. And it's not that, the, to make clear too, it wasn't that there weren't viable Roman Catholic arguments against the Augsburg Confession. It's just that the confutation didn't make them, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Sure. And um, September 22nd, uh, just to kind of keep our, our dates sort of around, Charles V declares a winner, um, surprisingly. No one saw this coming. Is the Roman Catholic side. So um, if you had the Roman Catholic side, I think it was plus three, you know. Yeah. So on the on the Las Vegas had it as plus three. Um, and... Uh, Interestingly, was it Gregor Bruch who wanted to hand the apology to Charles V? And he, I don't know how true this is, but he reached out his hand, but then people were like, 
kind of said, don't don't take it. Like, don't officially take it. The uh, the apology. Then it's you got to go. The confession or the apology. The apology, I believe. Um, but you have to get that. You have to maybe find that out for me. I think this is after he had declared a winner. I I read it as the it's the idea that we we're not going to go around again. This is done. Right. You can write all you want. Um, an apology. Remember, that would be a defense, defense of the Augsburg Confession. So um, uh, in the end, it's going to be they are given about, oh, I don't know, seven months uh, thereabouts, I think April 15th, 1531, to come back to Rome, basically. So the, so the, um, we're going to give you some time to think about it, Protestants, um, and uh, you can come back if, if you want, right? Um, and then we have what we might call the, well, we do call the Augsburg Interim, right? So following the Diet in 1530, uh, there was sort of, a, a, a ne- there was a necessary peace that um, was going to, to be there until, am I right, the Schmalkaldic War. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. Um, so this is a big time event, 1530, in Augsburg in uh, southern Germany, where there's really no going back right now, um, that the, uh, a line has been drawn in the sand. So let's talk maybe just in our last few minutes about this Augsburg Confession, and we'll have, another, we'll have probably another episode just on the theology of it. But w- if I would say that this is a confession for the church at large, would you agree or disagree with that, Wade? What would, what would you think it if I said? To be. Like, this is, we're not claiming it's an ecumenical creed, but it's in the same vein as uh, Athanasian, Nicene, and Apostles' Creed in its purpose. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's what it intends. Now, it's not setting itself up on those no. levels as symbols of the church, um, but it's meant to be a, a confession of um, what the small c Catholic this is what the church is. has always said. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's really significant because uh, I'll say a lot when I'm teaching here that I'll say that the Lutherans, when I say Lutheranism, I'm talking about, especially when I, I'm doing this in worship because, you know, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and, and talking about the divine service and the classic divine service. We, we, we have to be able to be critical of uh, Protestants, Catholics, and, and Lutherans alike. And so I'll say, when I, when I mean Lutheran, when I say Lutheranism, and I say it in a positive way, don't think that I, because I'm Lutheran and teaching at Lutheran College, am trying to say that you who are not Lutheran are stupid or anything like that. What I'm saying is, this is what the church always, I, mere Christianity, but more than that, classical Christianity, what the church always taught. And, and I, I always say, and remember, the Lutherans got kicked out, we didn't leave. Right. And, and I take that from the Augsburg Confession, that they could, have, they could have blown the whole thing up. They could have been jerks. They could have um, went down a radical Reformation road. They could have said, blow the whole thing up, there's nothing good to save. But they said, no, this is, we are not sectarian. We want to lit- legit reform the church. We would like a church council, even though at this time, Luther, that is beyond possibility for right. him in his mind. It's still, this is what we're, what we're after, is the authentic church that always has always been around. I've always taken that as our, my cue. And so, you know, Lutheranism is a terrible way to, to say it, but we're kind of stuck with it. I mean, I, if I had my ways, 
I would say evangelical Catholic, but that doesn't solve the problem because both of those terms come with baggage too. But we're a gospel, small C Catholic Christianity. That's what we're after. And I think the Augsburg Confession is in that vein. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. What else? Um, I'm mostly being careful not to step on the toes of our next session where we'll talk about the content mm -hmm. itself. So I'm kind of good with where we at unless you have anything no more. i think we're good i think this is a nice uh, uh segue into really what's I, what's going to be kind of it's been luther heavy so far right of uh, martin luther and his and his life and his we're now kind of getting into lutheranism what's going to happen it's not going to he's still going to live uh for a while here um but it's something bigger than him and i think sort of symbolically him being away from coburg right? It's kind of a symbol of things are, you know, you're not going to be around here forever. Right. Things are going to be uh, out of your control and beyond you. And, and in a large part, that actually may be a good thing. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, we hope that you'll return. We'll have another uh, session on the Augsburg Confession, getting into the actual theology of the articles. Um, you were right, by the way. I did find that Charles V did refuse to accept the uh, apology. It was the apology. But yeah. then Melanchthon did tinker with it more afterwards before he got like the approval of Luther and others after so. And I'm sure we'll talk about the um, unaltered Augsburg Confession next time. So a yeah. little teaser of what's going to come next time. So we hope you'll join us um, for this continued series of the life and thought of Martin Luther. Until then, let the bird fly.
I'm just a drink gun. I said no, another round. I said no, another round. I said no, another round. One more round, get me down. Another round, another round, another round.